thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Wow, let's give it up for the worship team this morning. Good job, good job, guys. Woo! Man, the power of, of just worship, the power of praise, there is just something, there's just something about it. And uh, you guys, you got, my, you got my fire going this morning, and I just really appreciate it. I want to uh, just welcome everybody here this morning. It's the holiday season. I know we have several families traveling and so be praying for everybody that's traveling also. If you're here, go ahead and check in on our Facebook page. Check in. Let somebody know that you're here. When you check in, you're doing good. You are helping provide books. You're, uh, you can even hashtag this morning, give books. And so let somebody know that you're at church this morning. In fact, if you hear something that I say that you feel like somebody needs to also hear, just go ahead and get on Facebook and and, and put that out there for somebody to be encouraged by. So um, I, I'm, I'm just so excited about the word. There is a lot in me this morning. So um, somebody say, it's all good. It is all good in the hood. And that is what we're going to talk about. You know, Pastor Jared, he started a Christmas series last week called It's All Good. And I'm going to continue that that sermon series and and we're going to be talking about how we celebrate in this Christmas season the arrival of Jesus right we celebrate the arrival of the king of kings the lord of lords our our savior it's something to be excited about and and when Jesus came on the scene it was good news somebody say good news it was such good news. Somebody say good news. Come on, say it with a smile. Say good news. It was such good news that it ultimately changed everything. Right? I mean, our calendars are set. People that don't even believe in him believe in him some way because they are setting their life based upon his birth when he came when he arrived on the scene and 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 here's the thing chances are most of you you're, you're here today you, you you've congregated here with me today because of this good news but you know we all know that there are many in our culture that still resist this 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 good news and 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 I can say that I'm not real judgmental towards people that still resist it because of my own personal journey. There was a season in my life when 
when I did that, and, and maybe you have your own, your own journey where you, you resisted the, the good news, and, and, and you know why. You know why that you did. For, for most of us, it's because we started to ask questions, real, real questions. Like, we stopped just, you know, taking what, what we were just told, and, and, and things just started to pop up into our, our heads. A, a question just as simple as this, just like, is it true? Is it really true? Did this really, did this really happen? A- another question that we start to ask is, is, is it good? Because we call it the good news, but is it really good still? Is it really good news? Because, uh, you know, I- I've even had people ask me as, as a pastor, as, as somebody who proclaims the good news, I've had some people come to me and say, it just doesn't sound like good news to me. And, and, and my response to that is, well, well, maybe, maybe you haven't really heard the good news. Maybe, maybe in some way, somehow, the, the news has been filtered. Somehow, some way, you know, when I was growing up, it was, it was filtered through a mixture of old covenant and new covenant. Somehow, some way, maybe somebody has come, you know, using the word of God to, to pre- preach hatred towards uh, somebody that you love. And so, so now it doesn't seem like good news. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It, for, to some people now, the good news just doesn't seem so good. And so they start to ask, is Christianity even good? Well, I'm here to tell you today, it is. <laughs> it, really, it really is good news. The original message is good news. And the one thing about good news, like Pastor Jerry was talking about last week, and I'll just recap a little bit, is when you hear good news, you, you hope that it's true. Right? When you genuinely hear something that, that you think that's true, you hope that it's true. And, and, and the opposite of that is true. When you hear something that, is, that you, you perceive to be bad news, you hope that that's not true. Right. I, I remember years ago, around this time, I had just started a new job as a as a graphic artist. I was very excited about this company I was working in. And uh, I, I had for years professionally worked for another company as a graphic artist. And it was just a nightmare. And this this new company hired me. And oh, it was just a dream come true. In fact, it was answered a prayer. They were a Christian company and they were just in, in fact, they, they were exceeding the expectations that they told me. And then, and then one day at this time of the year, around the, uh, uh, it was break time, one of my coworkers, he, he just threw out some good news and said, I don't know if you know this, but this company, every year, they give out a Christmas bonus to every employee of $1,000. Everybody gets $1,000 extra. Listen. I leaned into that. I was hoping that that was true. I was, ho- I, I was hoping that this is true. And guess what? Oh, it was true. I got that thousand. And listen, I wasn't expecting it because I had never 
And in fact, I had never gotten the money they had previously at the other job that they had promised me that I was just going to get paid for my salary. I come to this place, I'm not expecting any type of Christmas bonus or anything, and now they're giving me a thousand extra bucks, you know, and man, it was awesome. But the moment that I heard what could be good news, man, I hoped for it to be good news. And I'm telling you, when the birth of Jesus was first announced, it was announced as good news of great joy. And the next part, though, was a real kicker. And we talked about this last week. It was good news of great joy, but it was for all people. And that was a kicker. That was hard for some people to swallow. It, 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 and, and, and the reason that is, is because usually when somebody gets news, usually that's bad news for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and when somebody else gets bad news, that's usually good news for, for somebody else. And so when you're looking about a whole group of people and you're saying that this is good news of great joy for, for all people, in that moment of time, when Jesus shows up on the scene, it's just a hard pill for them to immediately swallow. But listen, I want you to think about this, and please, for us to go any further, I need you to focus and think about Understand that when Jesus came, when he showed up on the scene, it wasn't 2019. Okay? So we're going to talk about some things this morning, and I need you to get into the mindset of the time that Jesus arrived on the scene. Okay? So think about when was that? That was a little over 2,000 years ago. So really think about that for a second, because we're about to talk about that. And, and the people group that Jesus showed up to, it wasn't Americans. He didn't show up to America. So I want you to think about that for a second. When we talk about this good news, when it originally shows up, of great joy, and it's talking about for all people, which brings us to the question that we're going to talk about a lot next week, so don't miss out next week. If the birth of Jesus really is good news of great joy for all people, why is there so much resistance? Why is there any resistance? I mean, why doesn't everybody want to be a part of this? Because again, when we hear something that we think is good, that the truth is we genuinely do want it to be true. We genuinely do want to lean into it. We look for reasons to want to believe it. So when we have good news, why isn't everybody wanting to flock into this and, and join into this? If the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus to planet Earth is good news, why all the resistance? Why doesn't everybody lean in? Well, one of the problems is this. The original version of the good news is different from the contemporary version that has been filtered and has been changed, and it doesn't necessarily resemble the original good news. You see, when Jesus first showed up and he stepped on planet Earth as an adult, people did lean in. When we read in the text that was recorded, people did. Crowds followed. 
people flocked to this new message that he was preaching. The original version of Jesus' message, they literally called it the good news. It was called the gospel, translated good news, too good to be true. The best title they could come up with is, hey, this guy is just giving us good news, and people were flocking to it. They, The crowds were going to it. Listen, sandwiched, he was, he was given this good news, and it was sandwiched between the Roman Empire that was completely against it. It was eventually would make it illegal, okay, and sandwiched in between the Jewish temple, which also was completely against it and threatened by him and completely trying to do everything they could to stop this movement, stop this good news. Somehow, it still caught fire. Somehow, the people still leaned into it, came in droves, and they wanted to be a part of it. And again, when you hear somebody have that good news, you hope that it's true in those people in that day and that time. They did. And the gospel, the original message of Jesus, the good news of great joy for all people. Somebody say all people. It was so good that people decided to document it. In fact, the Luke, the third gospel writer, who, when he started his gospel, I'll read it to you, he said, I thoroughly investigated all of these things that you would know with certainty the things that have happened among us. So he's like, these things that were going down, this good news, I wanted to record it, and I wanted, he wasn't speaking to us, he was speaking to a certain group of people. He said, I want you to know exactly what was going down. And he records in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, he says this, the law and the prophets... And I want you to look at that on the screen. The law and the prophets, which he is referring to, uh, we call the Old Testament. It was the Jewish scripture. It was the Hebrew Bible. So he's saying that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Who is John? He's speaking of John the Baptist here. Y'all remember John the Baptist? He's come eating locusts. He's the one that literally did baptize Jesus eventually. It says right here that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. So he's saying the Hebrew scriptures were proclaimed until John the Baptist came. And when John the Baptist came, he came with a new sound. He came with a new message, right? And so this message that was before John the Baptist, it was coming. And listen, that message was only for a certain group of people. It was for the Hebrew people. It was for the Jewish people. It was good news, but only, was it good news and great joy for all people? No, it was just good news and great joy for the Hebrews, right? And so all of a sudden, the law and the prophets have been proclaimed until John the Baptist comes on the scene. And now John the Baptist comes, and he announced that God is doing something new. And now we have the law and the prophets are proclaimed until John. Since that time, it says in Luke, 
the good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, that God is doing something new in the world, that God, this good news of the kingdom of God, is, he says it's being preached. And look at this. Jesus is saying, and look, look, look around. Everyone is now forcing their way into it. The crowds are coming in droves. They want to be a part of this, which brings us to the tension today. In the life and the message of, if the life and the message of Jesus doesn't strike you as good news, then perhaps you've never, ever really heard the original good news before. And I'm glad you came today because you're about to hear it. You're about to hear some good news. Look at your neighbor and say, you're about to hear some good news. Come on and smile too. Come on, just smile this morning. Be happy at church, amen? See, if the life and the message of Jesus doesn't strike you as, of good, as good news, of great joy for all people, then it's likely that you haven't heard the unfiltered good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, you may not believe that it's true, but although you may not believe it's true, you may say, well, I, I just don't know if it really happened but there, may, there has to be something inside of you that says, but I just wish it was true. It's just so good. You know, they're, 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 I, you know I, I think it's fictional. I think it's fantasy. I don't think this guy really existed. But boy, I wish it did because that is so good. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what you're about to hear this morning because that version was extraordinary, compelling. That original version is worth telling. Come on, somebody. And it was told. Luke recorded it. The other gospel writers recorded it. And today we are going to get down to the nitty-gritty of why the good news is so good. And what I want to talk about today, the first reason is that with this good news, Jesus' message, listen to what I'm about to say. We're going to talk about this for a while. His new message that he brought, it leveled the playing field. It leveled the playing field. And again, I need, I, I need you to remember when and who Jesus originally brought this message to. So in your mind, think back. Not now, but over 2,000 years ago. Not America, but back where these Jewish people are. And all of a sudden, there's a time where they're not living in the new covenant. They're living in what's called the Mosaic covenant. They're living in what's called the old covenant. And life for a Jewish person in the old covenant was very complicated. You see, there were... 613 laws that you had to obey to be a practicing Jew. And what you needed to do is you had to cover every aspect of human behavior that were in those 613 laws. Males had to be circumcised. Sabbaths had to be observed. People had to obey hundreds of dietary, social, and hygienic Rules. These rules and regulations were intended to protect their people, the Jewish people, from the outsiders, from these pagan influences. I mean, they would not break bread with somebody that was outside of their race, okay? Because according to the laws that they had, and so 
my question is for you, do you think it was easy for them to keep all of those laws? Do you think it was easy for them to live a sinless life according to the law? Let's just, let's just you know, be reasonable about yourself living in 2019 where you're living in the new covenant. Okay? And here they are. Okay? The Holy Spirit has not been poured out richly inside of them. And, and these people are going out, and they are setting their hearts diligently, fervently. And guess what? You have to know that some of them were really good at it, and some of them, most of them, were lousy, like a lot of us. Right? Just, I can't get right. You know what I'm saying? Just, listen, when you sin, what happened is they set up a system. When you did break these laws, you would then have to, the, the system worked as this. The, the cost for sin was a blood sacrifice. So you would have to go get a blood, a, a bull or a lamb or a dove, depending on which law that you broke. And then you would have to go and take that to the temple and have a priest perform a sacrifice for the atonement of your sin. Okay? And so, listen, you are reminded constantly of your sin. You're reminded constantly of your, your, your disobedience. And, and, and the common people were, it, it was just this ritualistic, just lousy, this is just what we do, this is how we live. And then there's this group of people called the Pharisees. The old Pharisees. And these guys were something else. These guys had dedicated their lives to be separate. The word Pharisees literally means separate. They had separated themselves from every impurity prescribed by the Levitical law. They were holy men who kept the law to the T. They had memorized every law that there was, and they pursued purity and passion with a passion, and in their opinion, they did it perfectly. They, they never failed. I mean, they kept it day and night. They were proud of it. They were proud to be able to do this. This created a separation within the Jewish world to where the common man would look at these Pharisees and say, man, they are pure. They are perfect. I'll never be able to live up and be like those guys because they're like God walking on earth. They're like angels among us. And who am I? I'm just dung. I'm a worm. I'm just a nobody walking among. But at least I'm not a Gentile. At least I'm a part of the tribe. And then you have the Pharisees going, well, that's right. I am perfect. I am. I, I am better than you. That's why I do this. It's a calling. And so what happens is, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you have felt less than? 
I think all of it, I see all of your heads going. All of us have. We've all got in a place where we felt less than. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in a place where you have definitely felt better than somebody? Not many of you. I have. Okay, my wife. <laughs> She's just cracking up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down a little story, a little story down memory lane with, with me and, and uh, a time where uh, you, you guys know that my son, Kagan, he, um, he was diagnosed with a, a disease called cystic fibrosis when he was a little baby. He's 13 years old, and a lot of you guys know he just got on this new medication. We're totally excited about it, and God is just, it's, it's, he was born at the right time, man, so praise God. So because of, of, of his um, diagnosis, he qualified for a Make-A-Wish, and he used that Make-A-Wish a couple years ago at, to be able to take our whole entire family on a Disney vacation. And, and so in doing that, it was an unbelievable entire week where our whole family, we were, we were just treated like royalty. And we were living in the Lubbock area at that time. They, they, we, we went to the, the airport. And when we got there, they had put us all, all these. I'll put a, a, a picture up for you. We all had these Make-A-Wish shirts on. You can see how some, my kids have grown since then. And so there we are, man, and we are pumped up. And you can see we're the Make-A-Wish family. We got the logo on. And immediately while we're waiting with our, with our boarding passes, the lady that worked for the airline noticed that we were a Make-A-Wish family, and she called us over, and she said, listen, our airline, um, ha- we work with Make-A-Wish families, and we treat you guys like VIPs. So listen, we're upgrading everything uh, immediately. You guys are sitting in the front of the plane, and you're going to pre-board before anybody else, and we're like, oh, okay, wow, unexpected. What, what a blessing. Thank you so much. We were just happy to have free tickets. You know, that's cool. Thank you so much. So we fly on this little bitty plane and make a connection from Lubbock to Dallas. We get off of this plane, and uh, we're going to make a connection. We're waiting there. We have our boarding passes. Same thing, same airline. The lady sees us, and she says, uh, sir, uh, could you come over here, please? I says, yes, ma'am. Walk up there, and and same thing. Uh, We're going to upgrade. You guys are VIP or Make-A-Wish family. Um, And and she said... um, in fact, you know, we're going to upgrade your seats. You guys are up, up front, and uh, I want, I'll want i show you the next picture. She said, uh, the pilot's about to be here, and I want to introduce your son to the pilot. So <clears throat> this guy, turns out he's, a, he's from the Navy. My grandpa's from the Navy. We start talking. This guy, he, he folds this dollar bill into this Navy jet. It was super cool. Gives it to my son, then he goes, Follow me. Show the next picture. And he takes my son into the cockpit. Okay, now my son's in the cockpit. He says, put your, put your hands on the steering there. And he says, all of these, a lot of people don't know this, all, all of these planes have machine guns on them. And we're going, what? And he puts it on there. And all of a sudden, he goes, yeah, hold it really tight. And the, 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 it just goes like that. And Kegan's like, ah, we're shooting guns. And it's just really a part of their check. Uh, there it's it's like if they're losing altitude or something and they fall asleep like that will wake them up or something like that but anyway it was like wow this is amazing right so but we pre-boarded we got a um uh you know got to go look at the cockpit and so they sit us down and now all of a sudden they're giving us all these free snacks and they've made a crown for my son out of uh, peanuts uh, peanut wrappers and oh man so 
anyway, we, we, we get to Florida, and um, we're in Orlando, and this has never happened to me. This only happens to superstars. We get off, and there's a guy with a, with a sign there saying, uh, yeah, Kelt's family, you guys are important to us, and we want to treat you like VIPs follow us. And so they take our bags, and I mean, we're just number one, and they take us, and they, they, they put us in a, we have our own van now, they give us the keys, we take, we drive to give, give kids the world village, they give us the keys to a house, now we have a house, this is awesome. Then they say, um, okay, uh, here, we're going to feed you three meals a day, the meals were unbelievable that they fed us, but then they said, here, you can order at any time, pizza, anytime, we have right across the street, ice cream, you can have ice cream for breakfast, it's like, they have, uh, we also have uh, video games, and, and go-karts, and uh, putt-putt, and it was crazy, and, and they're like, okay, and here are your passes, and so they hand, they said, this, this is the golden ticket, Kagan, and they give him this pass to go to the, all the Disney things, and it had the genie from uh, Aladdin on it. And they said, this is the magic pass. And they said, when you get there, so you can park up front, so park up front, so you don't have to walk. Then when you get there, you and your whole entire family, y'all don't have to go in the lines. You go in the exit. And the exit, and you go right to the front, and you don't have to wait on any of the rides you just go walk up and you just ride. And so most people have to plan a trip to where you have to wait in line or you can get a fast pass for some of the rides and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, well, we want to ride this ride and we might get to ride it once. We rode every ride like four times. And we're just riding rides. We're just getting on a ride and riding again. And people are looking at us like, what are these, what's going on? And we're like, holy cow, we're riding rides. We didn't have to wait in line to take a picture with Mickey Mouse. There was like an hour line to take a ride, to take a picture with Mickey Mouse. They take us to the front. We're not waiting in any lines, okay? We go to uh, every every ride. We went to um, what what are all the the places? Epcot. We went to uh, Animal Kingdom. We went to Universal, MGM. I mean, guys, and I had no idea. What's happening, I'm, I'm being trained to be one of these, these superstars, these entitled people. I had no idea that this was happening, okay, until the last day, and it's time to go home. Well, nobody shows up to take our bags to go put them into the van, and now I'm having to carry these stinking bags in the van. I'm like, okay, well, so we get to the airport, and I got to stand, I'm standing in a line to get a boarding pass. And I'm like, do they not know who I am? No, 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 no. Excuse me. We're the Celts people. We got a badge or something. We, we do not stand in lines here. And I'm serious. I am angry in my head. I am. And then all of a sudden it hit me like, I'm not really famous. I've just been living that famous life for a week. And, and then it hit me like, oh, wow. Like, now I realize why these, these famous people go crazy on airplanes. Because they live that life all the time. And then all of a sudden, when they don't get that lifestyle, they don't know how to, how to act. 
And so what, what was happening to me, guys, is the playing field was being leveled. And all of a sudden, it went to being the same for all people. And, and one day, Jesus is trying to lay the groundwork for this good news. And we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 5. And please understand, church, that when you read, I'm going to teach you something. You need to understand this. Always remember this. Even though you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of these gospels, and they're even red letters, and Jesus is speaking, they're in the New Testament. They're not in the New Covenant. If Jesus is speaking, okay, probably he's not dead yet. He does speak after, after he raises from the dead. But most of the words that he speaks, he's alive, so that's still Old Covenant. So he, understand, hermeneutics, he is speaking still to people. He's not speaking to you. He's speaking to people in the Old Covenant, under the law, that are still, when they sin and they break these laws, what are they doing? Are they receiving forgiveness freely? No, they're taking a dove, and they're going to the temple. Okay, think, think about that. When you read, even in the New Testament, it may not be New Covenant, okay? So, here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus speaks to the regular people <laughs> that I talked about earlier, and he says, for I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, everybody say, ooh, y'all know about them. Oh, and that's what those people thought. He said, oh, he said the P-H word, not the F word, the P-H word. It has an F to it. The Pharisees, he said, unless your righteousness surpasses, it exceeds the Pharisees. Remember how holy those guys are? And the teachers of law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Did he say that to you in 2019 in America, in the new covenant? But a preacher told you that he did some, one time. He didn't. He said that to people in the old covenant, and he did that for a reason. We're going to talk about that. And these people are thinking, oh, no, ho. Oh, this is not good. Because those guys, it would be like telling a Catholic, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pope. So it's like impossible. That's what they were thinking. He did it for a reason. He's making a point. He, he's not trying to tell them that he doesn't love them. He's telling them that he loves them. Because he's getting to the point of good news, of great joy. For all people, he's laying the groundwork for that. Y'all understand? So, over in the corner of the Pharisees going, ha, 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 that's right. Jesus, we hate you, but thank you for giving us uh, a good one there. We know that we were so good at the law, and uh, thank you for noticing this. And so, Jesus looks at them, and he says, okay, okay. And understand that under the old covenant, that Jesus is the greatest teacher of the law that there ever was for a reason. And I'm about to tell you why. And he looks at them and he says, well, you've heard it said, speaking of the Mosaic law, 
of Moses that you're not supposed to murder. And they're like, yes. And thus shall never murder. I've never murdered. I don't know what that was, but that was, that's how they talk. I've never murdered. They're very holy people. That's how they talk. And he says, well, I say to you, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, you're a murderer. And all of a sudden, sweat. (laughs) Because they've never killed anybody. But guys, it's the holidays, right? We just came from Thanksgiving. It's about to be Christmas. And we're going to spend some time with some people that get on our nerves, right? And then we're going to come home, and we're going to tell our wife, holy moly, hey, those people really get on my nerves. And these Pharisees know at some point they have hated their brother. And they're like, how could he say this? And then he says, and you've also heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. I've never done that, Jesus. I've kept the law perfectly. He says, but I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And they said, oh, snap. Because we've done a really good job at acting like we don't know this beautiful woman. We've never, we've never done the deed. But, and what is Jesus doing? He's taking the law and he's using it as a lens to do what it was supposed to be done to do. To level the playing field. To to prove what we read that in Ecclesiastes 7.20, that there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin, that Romans 3.10 says, there is not one righteous, no, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. It's, it's a level playing field, guys. None of us can achieve righteousness on our own standard. We're all in need of a Savior. And so the guys before that were like, oh, man, Jesus, you're really hard on us. We have to exceed the righteousness of of the Pharisees, and they're like, oh, and now they're going, ha, ha, oh, 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 you Pharisees, oh, snap, he got y'all, because we know that that's happened to y'all, and then Jesus puts the nail in the proverbial coffin when at the end of the chapter in verse 20, or I'm sorry, he says, at the, at the end of that chapter, he says, Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, anybody here perfect? Anybody here never, ever sinned before? And the Pharisees, they were really good at keeping the law, but they weren't that good. They just... They, they, they just knew, guys. And, and I'm, I'm telling you here today that 
when it comes to us hearing this good news of great joy for all people, when Jesus was coming and he was laying the ground for it, it is for all people. He was laying the groundwork. I'm telling you that it's been preached so not good that I've even had, you know, I can remember years ago when at the at the end of a of a sermon, I had a, a young young man come up to me, and you know, he said, uh, "Man, he was just he was just crying so hard, and he just, he just pray for me, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me." And I was like, "Okay, buddy, you know what can I pray for you? Oh, I'm just I'm just doing I'm just really doing with lust. I just think about girls all the time." And and I and I and I looked at him, and I said, "Son, how old are you?" And he said, oh, "I'm 16 years old." I said, go sit down. And he, he and he said, what? I said, go sit down. And he goes, oh, I want you to pray for me. I said, listen, buddy. I said, you know, here's the thing. You know what? God put that in you. If I pray that out of you, you know, here in you, when you turn 25 and you find that right girl, you'll be asking for me to pray that back into you. You know, that God calls that natural affection. <laughs> like, you need that. It's just, you're supposed to have it. It's just not supposed to have you. Now, I can counsel you on how to use these things, but, you know, that's what we've done is we've, we've preached this mixture of, of the old covenant and the new covenant, and we've made people feel bad and that everything's a sin, and, and then, you know, we've made it to where it's not a level playing field and we've made people feel like they're better if they're the Pharisees and we've made it feel like the, the Wild West again, the Old Covenant. And it's not that, guys. And I'm telling you today that we are in a place where this is a good news. It has been the level, the playing field has been level and Jesus, he is coming and he at one point, it's crazy when he's teaching the law, he comes up to them and he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. He says, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna. And and then he says, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. So he's talking about gouging out your eyes and cutting off your hand. And so, then he doesn't even say after that, he doesn't stop. And this is in the New Testament. This is in red. He doesn't say and say, I'm just figuratively speaking. So, this morning, if you guys are very literal readers of the Bible, you know, I can get a couple people up here to help me do an altar call. And we can, you know, we can get a, we can have an eye poking outline. You know, we can start really getting rid of sin, okay? And we can have a hand chopping offline. You know, and we can just really start doing stuff that Jesus said, you know, and, and you guys want to get that thing done? Y'all want to get that thing going? I think you, nobody would come up here to those lines, right? And by doing that, you would cast your vote that, hey, hey, pastor, we're not in the old covenant anymore. Like, I'm kind of getting on this kick of uh, good news of great joy for all people. Amen? Amen. So, it's really, really good news. And, and I want to tell you how good of news that it is because, like I said, he says, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that may get you kind of like, man, well, then, then I'm doomed. But, but let, me, let me 
Let me get you really smiling this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn into Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8. I'll put it up on the scripture for you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8, this is, this is awesome. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, this is awesome. So really pay attention right here. So speaking of, he's going to start talking about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And he says here, he says, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you, speaking of God, the Father, did not desire. Whoa, 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 time out. Were, were you guys not always taught that it was God that set that up? That he was kind of this, this uh, bloodthirsty, like maybe you read the Old Testament a little bit and you would see things like him wiping people out or it, it says that he kills people or, or even like, it, it, like he set up this system. And then here he says, that God didn't desire this. Just think, just let that sink in a little bit and start connecting some dots. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, they say, we, we want to know the Father. And Jesus says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the perfect representation of him. So if you want to know what God would do, at any time in history ever, just think, how would Jesus handle this situation, right? And so, how would Jesus handle people's sin even in the Old Covenant? So maybe, just maybe, even in the Old Covenant, when he says right here that God, the Father, did not desire and he, nor did he have pleasure. Because think about this too, guys. I was taught that on the cross, God was punishing Jesus. He wanted to punish me because of sin. Because I sinned. He wanted to punish me. But Jesus took my place. Did anybody hear this growing up? Penal substitution. He wanted to take my place. God's a bloodthirsty, I'm holy, I'm righteous. I, 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 cannot, I cannot deal with sin. Kevin has sin. He is my son. He looks at my daughter. Caitlin has sinned. You shall not sin. I'm going to smite you. And Jesus stands in the way. No, 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 no. Don't. I'm the good part of God. Don't do this, God. Please, please. Okay, I'll kill you instead. Did anybody, was anybody ever kind of taught that? Penal substitution? That's crazy. <laughs> right here it says that my heavenly father had no desire in sacrifices and offerings. He had no pleasure in them. I can tell you that that picture of God the father of wanting to hurt my child or me because of sin or even the son is, that's just, you, uh, does that look like Jesus? So listen to this. He says this. You did not desire nor had pleasure in them, listen, which are offered according to the law. So what's that? That's the old covenant, right? Right? 
Everybody tracking with me? So sacrifices and burnt offerings is in the Old Covenant. That's what offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Who said that? Jesus, the son, right? And he says, he, Jesus, takes away the first. What's the first? That's the Old Covenant that, he, that the father had no pleasure in, right? So track with me. That Jesus may establish the second, the new covenant. And what's that, what's that covenant? It's a covenant of grace, of love, of mercy, of, of limitless forgiveness that we're going to talk about a little bit more, right? Number, verse 10, by that will, whose will? By God's will, the Father's will, we have, listen to this, we have been sanctified, which, which, what does sanctified mean? It means that we have been declared holy. We have been set apart through, what, how have we been set apart and declared holy? Through the prayers that we have offered and the things that we have done and as many things that we can do ourselves. Is that what it says? How have we been sanctified, declared, set apart as holy? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, in reality, God the Father, he, he, he comes to the earth, he lays himself down. He's not mad in his love, in his ultimate love. What he's doing, Paul says, giving us a ministry of reconciliation, listen to this, reconciling the world to himself, it's not him that has a false image of us. It's us, the people, the world that has had a false image of him for so long. That's why he's, he's, he's getting it all right. He laid himself down. He overcame death. So we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to have problems with fear. Isn't this good news? And in, in, in reading this, we know that the basis of our sanctification is not on the basis of our performance. Amen. It's on the basis of a perfect sacrifice. Right. Amen. Listen, this is the new covenant. This is the good news. That is great joy for all people. So if I were to ask some of you when you walked in today, are you sanctified? Some of you would have walked in and said, well, I don't know. I haven't really been acting that sanctified or, you know, I don't know. I don't really feel that sanctified because you have been believing a lie that was based upon your performance and how many prayers that you could pray or how many good deeds that you could do. And if I could just get you to believe the truth that it's already done, come on, somebody, that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. It doesn't look like this. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves you so much that he went before you before you could do anything. He loved you first, right? And if I could get you to see that, that you're already sanctified. Listen to this. It gets even better. How does it get better, Pastor? I'll tell you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. This good news is so good. How good? It's so good. And every priest stands ministering daily. Do they continue to do that? Is there a temple? No. So which covenant is that speaking of? The old one. Uh, uh, and they minister offerings repeatedly, the same sacrifices in the old, which never take away sins. It didn't even do anything. This was craziness. Men came up with this thing, okay? But this man, capital M, 
and capital J. What's his name? Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Everybody say forever. One sacrifice for sins forever. So do you need to every day go and offer a sacrifice? Do you need to get down in your prayer closet and beg God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. Do you need to do that? Listen, if you do that, I'm not saying that you need to stop doing that. Okay? If that brings you peace, I'm just saying that's not what brings you forgiveness. <laughs> it's already done. He, he, went up, he went in front of you because, because he knew that even after you asked for forgiveness for it, that we're still going to stumble again. Right? So listen to this. Think about this. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice that would be a, 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 an offering for sins forever. You may think, so you're saying that even my future sins are covered. Yes. Even the ones you haven't committed yet are forgiven. How can you say that? Because all of your sins were in the future when he did it. You get that? Like, this happened in the past. Like, that's when he did this stuff, when he made this offering. And guess what? He's not doing it again. It was a one time so big of an awesome, awesome, awesome. And the way that I grew up, guys, is we magnified sin. A huge sin, a big devil, a powerful, oh, and come down to the altar, oh, because it's so powerful, and it's going to get you, and it's going to get you, and it's, ah, and then a little bitty Jesus. And now I preach a big, 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 big Jesus, and a huge love, and a huge forgiveness. Oh, it's so good. And listen to this. It gets better. How does it get better? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. You do that. You sit down when what? When you're finished. From that time waiting till his enemies were made his footstools. Listen to this. For by one offering, he has perfected. Forever, those who are being sanctified. So us that don't have it all together as far as our actions go, who aren't really perfect as far as our actions go, he perfected us. That is, when he says, be ye therefore perfect as my father is perfect, he's saying the basis of that perfection is not on your performance. It's a base on my performance and what I'm about to do. That is the good news of great joy for all people. But the Holy Spirit, verse 15, also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant the new covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds and write them. Then he adds this. And this is the heart of the Father because this is his covenant. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So when you come to him and say, I did these things. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I don't remember, I remember them no more. 
Does that make sense? It's awesome. You know what it's called? It's called grace. It's called the good news of great joy for all people. It's so good. What, 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 what time is it? I don't even know what time it is. I get so excited about this stuff. Okay. Let's do two things and, and, and then be done. I, I love doing this. And uh, I'll ask these two lovely, or these three lovely ladies, my three daughters right here. Come on. Uh, Caitlin and Kinsey and Jen, y'all come up here. All right. So y'all have seen me do this before, but some people haven't. So um, y'all come up here on the, so I, I want you, I want to, I want to show you a, a picture in the old covenant that foreshadowed something in the new covenant. So remember, living in the old covenant, what we're going to have is we're going to have a, a person living in the old covenant, so a Jewish person, and then what we're going to have is a, is a lamb, a sacrifice, so say bat, <laughs> okay, and what we're going to have is a priest, okay, that's in the temple in Jerusalem, okay, and so what would happen is one time a year, they would make a, this, this pilgrimage, right, for Passover, and so you would be in charge of your whole entire family, and what you would do is you would get a lamb, and this lamb was a specific lamb. It had to be spotless. It had to be firstborn. How many know that this is pointing towards the the new covenant and the lamb Jesus is spotless, he's pure, he's firstborn, right? So, you had to get that right, okay? But what you would do then is as the representative of your household, you would, like, um, confess, announce all of your sins, your family's sins, and this really would do nothing. It could not take sins away, but this was the system that y'all came up with. But you would, you would put this and you would say, so, so confess some sins into your lamb. Uh, I kind of hate my sisters. So. Oh, my goodness. Okay, something else. Uh, I stole her makeup. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's on you now. Okay. So you would make this pilgrimage. And then what you would do is when you got there, you'd come into the, 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 the holy place. So say, ah. Okay, and then you would take your lamb, okay, and you would, you would present the lamb, your sacrifice, to the priest, okay? Okay, now you step back, and your job as the priest was to do one thing, was to examine the lamb. And you needed to make sure that it was a firstborn it was a spotless lamb. Okay, so is it is that is that what it is? No. No. <laughs> okay, y'all give them a hand. Y'all y'all can go ahead and sit down. What I want to point out to you guys is that even in the old covenant, the person was never examined. Okay? The sin was never examined. The lamb was. 
than what we just read in the book of Hebrews is that our sacrifice was once and for all, and it was perfect. The culture that I was raised in is we examined what we called the sinner. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to break that off of you. You are not a sinner. That is not your identity. You were never a sinner. Let, let, let me prove it to you. Do you sin? Yes. That's something that you do from time to time, but it's not who you are. You are a royal generation. You are a royal priesthood. I thought I'd get an amen on that one. Okay, here we go. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and we're going to land the plane right here. Good news of great joy for all people because Jesus comes, and the Jews had a really tough time just in, in their people because there was a hierarchy. The Pharisees, they had a tough time because they wanted the Messiah to come and overtake the Roman, the Roman Empire. They didn't even want, they didn't, they didn't want to have anything to do with a place called heaven. Y'all understand that? That was the furthest thing from their mind. Okay? They thought the Messiah was coming with good news of great joy for the Jews to plunder, to get them on top again. Their race. Okay? Jesus comes with a different message, and he doesn't look like what they want. He doesn't talk like what they want. And he says, no, this is for all people. And they go, say what? Like, you mean even non-Jews? And even after Jesus leaves and proves it to all of them, Peter, one of the greatest one, was the most racist. He had such a hard trouble with, with just being for all people. Okay? But, but then I'm about to blow your mind a little bit, and I'm going to leave you with this nugget. Paul, in the book of Romans, takes all people to a new level that will tell you that you're not a sinner and tell you who you really are. You're, you're in all people. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Man, this is so good. This is some history right here. Y'all need to go study Romans chapter 5 this week. Romans chapter 5, we'll put it up on here. You can follow along. He says this, therefore, just as sin, now think about what he's about to say. Just as sin entered the world through one man. So who was that? Good. You're tracking along. Sin entered the world through Adam. And when that happened, listen, this was the problem with sin. Sin led to death. Most people believe that sin led to hell. Okay, but let's just talk about what it's saying right here. Sin led to death, and death scares us. Just whatever you believe about the afterlife, death is scary, right? No, nobody wants to die. We want to live, right? And so that was an immediate problem. Adam brought sin, and sin 
brought death. And listen, because of Adam, he says right here, the way of death came to all people. Everybody say all. Look, follow along with me right there. All people because all sin. So track along with it. He says, Paul, Paul right here tells us that Adam's sin led to all people sinning. And that's true, right? And Adam's, that sin, it also led to all people dying because all people die now, right? It's 100% mortality rate, correct? Okay, you're, you guys are tracking along with me. Verse 13, to be sure, he says, sin was in the world. So just think about that. Sin is in the world, and it's scary. It was never in the world until this time. There was a time when it wasn't. There was no fear. There was no death on this world. Before the law was given, when was the law given? Moses. You guys are tracking. Good, 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 good. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. So before Moses, before there was law, he just says it wasn't charged against people. It wasn't held against them. Nevertheless, death reigned. So when it's talking about death reigning, it's that fear. It's that, have you ever been just controlled through the, that, that fear, that overwhelming anxiety? Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, and that was not God's plan. There was supposed to be no death. There was supposed to be no sin, right? Even over those who did not sin, breaking the command, as did Adam, who is the pattern, though, and here we go, good news of great joy for all people, the pattern of the one to come. Look what he Look at what he says next, what he calls him. But the gift. Who's that? Hey, I hear it. Who's that? Jesus is not like the trespass. So understand, here he's paralleling two people and two things that happened. So think about those two things. Sin entered the world through Adam, and then what did Jesus do? Just think about that. We're going to get to it. This is so good. But the gift is not like the trespass. And he's going to tell us why it's not like the trespass. And it's, it's how I preach. I preach like Paul. Here we go. This is, this is so good. Okay? <laughs> For if the many died, and when it says the many there, we already know that all died. Okay? So just think about that. And the many died by the trespass of the one man, so all die because of sin that was brought into the world that brought death, all die. How, this is it. He elevates how much more, everybody say more. How much more. So he's like, little bitty sin, little bitty death. And then he says, tsunami of how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, and then he says his name, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many, right? So Paul is making the point right here that what Adam did, listen, Jesus undid. 
Adam's sin is undone by the free gift of grace. He continues, nor can the gift of, of God, who's the gift of God? It's Jesus, right? Listen to this. It can't, he says it cannot be compared because it's so much more, right? It cannot be compared to the results of one man's sin. Who's that one man? Adam, right? The judgment flowed one sin, Adam, and brought condemnation for all. The curse of what? What was the curse? What was the curse that followed sin? Death, right? So, brought condemnation for all, but the gift, who he's elevating this whole time, followed many trespasses and brought justification. That's what he, he, it it brought justification. For, verse 17, we're about to get to a big, 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 big one where I'm getting to. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, and we know when that happened, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, he says, it used to, Sin and death used to reign. He goes, but how much more? Because it's so much powerful. How much more will they reign, the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And this is what I was trying to get to, my, my people right here. Verse 18, consequently, just as one man's trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, that's what you were taught your whole life, and they stopped. It don't stop there. It's not a period. It's a comma. So also, righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. sing that song earlier and, and, and the one thing that, that sticks out to me that, and I ch- always change the lyrics and it says and I don't deserve it and right at the end of it you started preaching it Jay Knight and you were saying but God you do say that I deserve it because guys you and I are the all people we are already redeemed we have already been made we are already the righteousness of God. That whole song that we sang, what was the name of that song? Um, reckless love. It, it, it's already happened. The reckless love has already happened. It happened before us. We're already living in this, this new covenant. And that reckless abandoned love, it already chased us down. And it's already on the inside of us. And one day, Jesus was at a well. Be rivers. 
overflow out of you. That will overflow. And that's all I'm trying to do. Here at the exchange, that's all we're trying to do is preach the good news of great joy and get you to have a an understanding, a revelation that you are already the people, the all the people. You are an all people. You're already in Him, and 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 you believe in it doesn't make it true. You believe it because it's already true. And it just overflows out of your life and it just kingdom. Kingdom. He told people in the old covenant unless your righteousness exceeds that That was old covenant taught just to show them that the the, the playing field's level. We don't live in that covenant. Now he says, you're the kingdom. You're my kids. Just open up your heart and let the river flow. Let grace flow. Let love flow. Find somebody and love them. When he was here, he taught us how to serve people. When he was here, he taught us how to forgive people. When he was here, he taught us how to love people. And it's 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 really not mystical. It's that simple. Right? So if you would just stand to your feet this morning. To me, it's overwhelming. It really is. It really is overwhelming. How, how deep and how wide and how I just can't get to the end of his love. And so um, I just pray that you're encouraged this morning. Pray that you're challenged. I pray that you go and maybe uh, go jump into Hebrews chapter ten, do some studying this week. Uh, go in Romans chapter five and eat. Remember to use a to think, or use a proper hermeneutic and think. You know, get those things and start just working out. Allow the just allow the river to flow inside of you. And, last thing. Uh, my family and I, on, on Friday night, we went out to Alvin, Texas, I believe it is, and we rode this Christmas train. And uh, it's really, really beautiful. And they have all these Christmas lights. And there's a there's a Christian camp, a summer camp out there. And, and, uh, and so in the in the wintertime, they, they take what they already have, this train that they use for kids and let us adults get on it. And I just love toy trains. And it's just a, 
I love it. I love it so much. And they have these tunnels, and they have just, they put just thousands upon thousands and thousands of lights out there. But at the end of it, you actually, they take you through, like, a, a, they've just blown up these this kid's storybook. And it, it's just, it's, they've done a great job. And you walk through the life of Jesus. And it's really cool. But at the very end, you pull up. And, and in the distance, you see this huge, these letters that they have made out of lights. And it says this. It said, peace on trying to get out of here as quick as we can because it's getting so bad and, and, and oh God's bringing judgment and he's judging this group and he's bringing this hurricane and he's just Zeus in the sky the message is wait 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 wait, wait, wait. there was a time before sin that led to death there was actually peace on earth. It all started in a garden. And when Jesus came, he prays, he cries out to the Father. He did it in a garden. And since that day, guys, he's been working on this this earth to get it back to not taking us somewhere else, getting his kingdom now. Peace on earth. 